0: الحمد لله wa لله ونستعينه ونستغفره wa به wa عليه ونأودي الله من شروء أنفسنا ومن سيئات أبائنا ما يحل الله فلا مذل الله وما يجل الله فلا هاديا ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا محمدًا عبده ورسوله Alhamdulillah in the month of Ramadan A person works a lot on their ibadah On their worship And on their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala They improve their salah They pray more salah Quantity goes up Quality goes up Focus goes up they recite more Qur'an, they hear more Qur'an, they see more Qur'an, they understand more Qur'an, they feel more Qur'an. In every sense, in every aspect of their feeling, they experience more Qur'an. They make more du'a to Allah, they make new du'as to Allah, they make more tawbah to Allah, they make true tawbah to Allah. So their relationship with Allah becomes better. There's a danger that sometimes happens to some people. When they become better in deen. That's another test Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes. This is the test that Allah wa ta'ala took from Iblis. That Iblis was actually very good in deen. If you look at his iman, his level of iman was called Ainul Yaqeen. He could see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Ilmul Yaqeen. Ainul Yaqeen. Haqul Yaqeen. Iblis had the highest level of iman. If you look at his a'mal. He prayed so much salah, so much salah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, out of all the jinn, he was the most abid. And another way you can understand this, is he was the greatest wali of the jinn, the greatest abid of the jinn, greatest. Hmm? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to take a test. Why was Iblis called to that assembly when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Nabi Adam alayhis presented in front of the angels, wanted to teach the angels that I know what you know not. So angels were there for a different reason. Iblis was there for a different reason. Iblis was called to be tested. But the test that takes place when a person becomes better in Deen, that is a test that is called a test of Ujub. Ujub is an Arabic word. In English it means conceit, vanity, self-praise, self-love. Ujub means simply speaking in English to view yourself as something. That's a test Allah SWT takes. Sometimes Allah Taala takes that test from somebody who's successful in dunya. And sometimes Allah Taala takes it from somebody who's successful in deen. Any and every time a person attains some level of success, attainment, achievement, accomplishment, Allah SWT takes a test of them. Do they have ikhlas or do they have ujub? Do they have humility or do they have pride? Are they sincere or, or do they have vanity and conceit? What's inside them? Outwardly they have success. What's inside? Allah ta'ala takes the test. When it comes to Iblis, all of you know he failed the test. Hmm? Because test was what? Will you still obey? <coughs> the real thing is, are you still an abd? You proved you are abd. You've made a lot of ibad. The question is, are you still an abd? Allah <laughs> Akbar, our Shaykh Malala Sahib, he says that abdiyat is being an abd is higher than being an abd. Being the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is even higher than being his worshipper. And he gave this example, that Iblis was abd, but he wasn't abd. Hmm? Allahu Akbar Ajeeb. Iblis was abd, he worshipped Allah ta'ala a lot, but he wasn't slave when it came down to it. We say in our American English when push came to shove, you know when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him a direct order, hmm? A direct order. That saying, what does it mean? He was an abid. means he made so much, he made so many sajdas. Allahu Allah, we don't even know how many years he had been alive. Maybe he made millions of sajda as an abid, but he refused to one sajda as an abd. he was downcast forever. Hmm? So it means being abid is something different. Being abd is something different. Hmm? Something more, not entirely different, but being abd is something more. So the test of that, one test of that is this, is called the test of ujib. Hmm? Because the Abd can never have pride or vanity or conceit. And the more a person becomes Abd, the more humble they are in front of Allah ta'ala. The more a person becomes Abd, the more they view themselves as nothing and Allah Taala as everything. And our old friends know we often say, that in Surah al fatah this is the first line, this is the first lesson, Allah SWT is trying to teach us, Alhamdulillah, that all praises are only for Allah. He's, Allah is everything and you are nothing. If you are something, it's only because He gave it to you, and you could take it back anytime. So essentially at your core, your hakikat, your reality, is you're still nothing. And He is everything. Because anything we have is just through the... Karam, fazl, inayah, deyn, the gift and blessing and bestowal and endowment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, there are some type of bad attributes. Attributes are called khuluq or akhlaq in Arabic. This is also an interesting word. Because you know, we are called makhluq creation. Allah ta'ala is called khaliq, he is the creator. And our attributes are called khuluq, our attributes, personality, character traits. So what does it mean? It means, in essence, you are what your character is. And khuluq and akhlaq are in your button. You can't wear a character on your sleeve. You can wear a beard on your sleeve, you can wear many things outwardly. But who you are and what your character is, that's inside. That's in your button. That's who you really are. Allahu <laughs> Akbar. And that's what Allah said about Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu الله عليه in Qur'an that he is on what type of khuluq? Azeem. On tremendous, magnificence Azeem. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is one of his names is al adim He describes in his Quran al the characteristics of Nabiya Kareem sallallahu alaihi wa sallam, as adeem. And some ulama al of the view that the greatest of his great characteristics was his humility. That the master sifat the master attribute of Sayyidina Rasulullah was his humility. And that humility is even more amazing because he's the greatest human being. He is the greatest of creation. And normally when you become great or you're number one, it's very hard to be humble. The number one athlete in the world is very hard to be humble. The student who gets the number one position in the school is very hard to be humble. The person who is number one at this and number one at that. It's very hard to find a number one who is also number one in humility. This is Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Number one human being. Number one from the Anbiya. Number one from all of creation. Hmm? But also number one Abd. That's why in our, when we say Tashahul in Salah, we say, So question arises, that when a person accepts iman, adopts iman, they say kalima shahada. So what do they say then? They say ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alaihi sallam Normally, the standard phrase when you adopt iman or a new person wants to enter Islam is what ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadur rasulullah. So there is no mention of abd. But when you are a mu'min and you say your shahadah and salah, you say Abd abdul. Because the person who is outside of Islam, and they're entering Islam, so the entry point is what? The prophethood of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi That's how they know him. But once they enter Islam, they get to know another thing about him, that not only was a prophet and my guide to Allah subhanahu but he's actually my guide to be the slave of Allah subhanahu So then his greatest attribute for the mu'min is that he's abd. So first we say, Ashdawanna Muhammadan abduhu, and then we say Rasulu. أَشْتَنَوْا أَنَّ wa So Amd means, Amd means many things But one, the height of Ubudiyyah The height of being Allah's slave Is not having any ujub at all Now this is one of those bad character traits, bad akhlaq So there broadly speaking, two types of bad akhlaq And what we're going to be doing in this whole three, four talks we have in the Johannesburg area, we have planned a series of talks that we're going to do as one, two every night for the next three, four nights or however much it is. And the Rustenberg is something different. but These next two, three, three nights, I think it is tonight, tomorrow night, and Sunday night, inshallah. All right. The two types of bad characteristic traits. One are those bad characteristic traits that come in a person when they're doing well. And the second is those type of bad characteristic traits that come in a person when they're not doing well. I'll explain again. First type of bad characteristic trait when a person is doing well, when they're attaining, achieving, accomplishing, successful, everything's going according to plan, things are going even better than they planned. Sometimes that person also gets some bad characteristics. When not doing well, which is not for tonight, but just to explain, not doing well means they're in some trial, test, tribulation. Somebody's oppressing them, somebody's hurting them, they're suffering, they're sick, their business is collapsing, somebody betrayed them. When they're not well, sometimes that situation, some other type of bad characteristic traits come in. So for tonight, we are starting out with the first character of the good time. So good time in Arabic, we call it Halat al-Fatah and Halat al-Farah. Fatah means they're victorious, they're triumphant. They're succeeding in every plan. And Faha means they're happy. They're actually experiencing joy and happiness in this world. So Sheikh Sa'dir, he was a master of these short one-two line Persian aphorisms, which are known as sentences of hikmah. He wrote that the nafs is so wicked, the nafs is so wicked, that the wickedness of the nafs can still come out even after years of ibadah, years of success and deen, the nafs never gives up until you die. Hmm? We were telling some people earlier today that a lot of people they think that Ramadan was some one month exercise in taqwa. And if you fast the 30 days and you pray Taraweeh and you stayed away from sin, on Eid you get graduation certificate of taqwa. Something like that. The actual end will be maut and graduation day is called Yom Al Kiyama, it's not called Eid. Eid is not graduation day. Yom Al Kiyama is graduation day. And there the certificate you want is of Jannah. It's a lifelong struggle to get taqwa. It doesn't end until the angel of death takes your root out of your body. So this is what he said. And this is why Allah SWT makes it clear in Quran, man That truly only will that person be successful who does tazkya of their nafs. And that's not just a one month process. That's not just a one month job. All right. Now, this ujub has several elements to it. So the first element I'm going to start with is Riyah. Riyah means that you do something to show off, for ostentation, to impress others, or for the sake of others. Hmm? As example, that normally, when you pray Maghrib Salah, you would just pray two rakats of Sunnah. But if you happen to be with someone who you want to impress, your ustad, imam, your shaykh, your friend, then you pray a few extra rakats of Nafil. Hmm? Because they're there. Otherwise normally you wouldn't have done it That's called Riya. That's called Riyah Normally you would sleep through Tahajjad But because somebody is with you You decide to wake up That's called Riyah To do it, to show it to others To do it for the sake of others To do it to impress others That's called riyah. Hmm? To be introduced as Hazrat Mufti Kamaluddin Ahmed huh? And to enjoy your name is on poster Hazrat Mufti That would be riyah. Hmm. Yes someday Right? So any sense of fame, name, popularity, impress, for the sake of someone else, that is called riyah. Now this word actually you already know, because it's in one of the surahs towards the end of Qur'an. Allatheena <laughs> hum yura'oon. About their salah. That they pray salah for the sake of others. Now, this is, this was about the munafiqun that they knew the only way they could keep up this appearance was they have to pray. So the sahaba, to see them praying in the masjid, the so sahaba will think that they're believers. Hmm? But it's understood then to apply more generally that anybody who prays for the sake of others. Now listen to a hadith of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa And the Prophet sallallahu said in this particular hadith, Indeed, what I fear most for my ummah is that they should fall into riya. But there are actually several hadith that start with these first few words, what I fear most for my ummah. So the ulama have they also commented on this. Because the different, than the end of the sentence is different every time. So the muhandir sa'in said that it was whatever the Prophet was feeling at that time. Or maybe something Allah Ta'ala had revealed to him at that moment. And he had so much fiqh for his ummah, so Allah Ta'ala revealed to him at that moment that your ummah might fall into this. He got into extreme worry for the ummah and said, what I fear most for my ummah is this. And later on, maybe a few weeks, months later Allah Ta'ala revealed something else. Or oh, what I fear most for my ummah is this. There's no contradiction there, right? It just shows the Prophet some deep fear and fikr for his ummah. So on one of those occasions he said that what I fear for you most is shirk al khafi and if shirk and then we explain what that is, that that is real. And then what will happen on the day of judgment Allah Taala will say to those people who did any good deed to impress others, just to show others that okay you should go to those others for whose sake you did those good deeds or who you wanted to impress and take the reward from them on this day. And all this you know, there is no being or power other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who can give any reward on that day of judgment. All right? Now to understand this concept, that this can happen to very successful people, there's a very well-known hadith that all of you should know from the Sahih, and that is that who will be the very first person who will be sent to Jahannam. The Prophet ﷺ told us this, the first person who will go to Jahannam, now, if you don't know the Hadith, then right now you're thinking, okay, maybe it's Abu Lahab, maybe it's Abu Jahal, maybe it's own, hmm? maybe it's Hitler, right? Allahu Allah, you have few contenders in your mind if you haven't heard this Hadith before. Hmm? But you'd be amazed, what did the Prophet sallallahu sallam, tell us? The first three people who will be sent to Jahannam, they're mu'minin, they're not kufar, they're mu'minin, they're believers. And each of them will be a mu'min who did something tremendous. A tremendous good deed for Deen. Who are those three people? One of those three is a shaheed. Shaheed. True shaheed. And he actually gave his life for the sake of Deen, for the sake of Allah. A martyr on the battlefield. Shaheed. So he'll be called. He'll say, Allah Ta'ala, I give my life. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, I give my life. And Allah Ta'ala will say, yes. But you also, not only, it won't be negate that you only did it for real, You also did it. Not only, you also did it so that people would remember you as brave and call you shaheed. And it was said about you that you are brave and shaheed. Allah Akbar, Allah will tell the angels to take that person, flip him over and cast him face first into the fire of Jannah face first. As ulama al hadith commented on this part as well. That why cast him face first? Ajeeb. Hmm? So one reason is because the face is the most sensitive thing. Like in this world, if you get a burn on your arm, okay, we don't want to get a burn anywhere. But the most painful burn is the burn if it comes on your face. Hmm? So to give them the most painful punishment, they'll be cast head first, face first, headlong into the fire jannah. So what was the problem there? Real. He did it for the sake of others also. Otherwise there's no mention of it, but one can assume the person must have prayed Salah. Now listen carefully. The person must have fasted all 30 days of Ramadan, every Ramadan of their life. Hmm? They probably went on Hajj, they may have gone on Umrah, may have been a great husband, may have been a great father. None of those things matters. Just in that one act of shahada, you had this one element of riyah. First they will have to burn in Jahannam for that riyah to be removed. Then they will be taken out. And then they might be sent to Jannah because of their Salah and Ramadan and Hajj and Zakat, etc. That The first person who goes into Jahannam will be because of Riyah. Allah Akbar Now you understand this is a major thing. Now we all thought it's a bad thing, but we're not to realize how bad it is. You went not realized how bad it is. Second of those three, I'm, I'm not necessarily doing it in the same order of the words of the Prophet but the second of those three was the person who was generous to give a lot of charity. Hmm? So same story, exactly the same words. I give charity, yes, you did, but also that people would call you sakhi, that people would call you generous. But people did call you generous. Maybe you got your name on a plaque somewhere in the Masjid. Or maybe when there was a list of donors and donations, they put your name somewhere. And you used to like seeing your name when you walked in the masjid. Hmm? You didn't erase it. Hmm? Same thing. Allah will order the angels of Jahannam to take the people to Jahannam to flip that person and catch them headlong. Same thing. No mention in their salah, Ramadan, Zakah, Hajj, anything else. First they must burn for the Raya, and then they will be taken out, and then the rest will be looked at. And then the other one, and I use this in a more general sense, is actually anybody who does any type of work of Deen, Ghari sheikh, dai, any caller of Deen, teacher of Deen, preacher of Deen, same thing, that yes, you did, but also you did it for fame and name, flipped and sent into Jannah. Hmm? Law Akbar Kabila. Just real, one thing. But it means it's so disliked by Allah Taala. So disliked. You all of you would remember also this hadith, that no one will enter Jannah who has even mitkal, even an atom's weight, or another wording, even a mustard seed. You need the slightest, and that's just an expression at that time. What the apostles meant was the slightest amount. So today we would rephrase it. You don't have to say mustard seed. Anybody who has even a subatomic particle. Quark of kibber in their heart. Can't go to Jannah. Allah Akbar Kavira. That's also all of these things are part of Ujjav. Yeah, Raya, the Takabar, the building blocks of this Ujjav. Can't go to Jannah. Can't go to Jannah. Then, Ajeeb, question came. The looked at this, that what was the Apostle first words, he said shirk-i-khafi, that is the inner shirk. So the question is, how is riyah a type of shirk? How is riyah shirk? Alright, so there are a few answers that were given. Number one, that when you do riyah, you do some good deed, ibadah, charity, for the sake of other, ghairullah it's against the izzat and honor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because it was his right that you only do that only for him and you did it also for some ghair so you made somebody else sharik in the izzat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allahu Akbar like you, you have this capacity in this world that you will tell somebody right i'll give you an example if somebody comes to you okay i'll give you my example i'll give you i'll give you, I'll give you your example actually so somebody comes and meets me and says, oh Shaykh, I came to Bian. And I found that you actually didn't come for the Bian, you came because you had some relative in you just happened to be here. So I know now, you didn't come for Bian, only, you came for that, and you decided to sit here also. Hmm? People will say that to you. And so this is a common thing people do, they try to pass it off as if they came specifically to meet you, or they came to your shop, But actually they were there for some other reason. Hmm? And if you know that, you pick that up, how do you treat them? You just quiet and you say, take. To hmm? so me and you don't even accept that We don't even tolerate that hmm? That you claim to have Ikhlas but you really Don't hmm? So can you imagine the court of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala? That everything Alhamdulillah everything was to be done For his praise for his exaltation For his izzat But you snuck in and you did the Sibad for your izzat also That's the strange thing you're not making any Ghair the shirik of Allah You made yourself the shirik of Allah that I should be honored for this shahada Or I should be honored for this charity Where it's only Allah should be honored for good deeds But so that was one way it was shirk It was in the izzat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Second was The hamd You wanted to be praised for it Whereas all praises are for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So a type of shirk And again Who is a shirk? Yourself <laughs> That's the worst type of shirk At least the mushrikeen, okay, they make idols Statues, fire, other things shirk we made ourselves shirk When we do this type of sin of riyah. Hmm? In other words How do I put this We put ourselves in the place Who was supposed to be mahmud praised Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We wanted to be mahmud praised We put ourselves in the place of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala That is a type of shirk. Alright This is why the ulama mentioned that the manafikeen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Quran Inna fi darkil <coughs> That they will be in the absolute <coughs> lowest trenches, the lowest level, the lowest pits, the lowest place in the fire of Jannah. So the question is why? Because that was Rehan Iman. They were adopting Iman to show off and to impress others. Otherwise, it's not the worst type of kufr. Your mind would think, okay, worshipping a statue is worse. Mushrikin are worse than Manafiqin. Your mind would say an atheist is worse than Manafiqin. Quran says Manafiqin are the worst. Why? Because Rehan. That was riyān imān. This was riyān amal. That was showing off an imān. This was showing off an amal. Then for the alim, or sheikh, or dai who does riyān, so that is doing round the work of Nabuwat, and the work of Dawat, and the work of Deen. Allahu Akbar kabira. Some people they do riyān ibādat in their worship. Some people they have riyān dunya in their worldly accomplishment. They must. You must know who they are. I, although there are a couple of doctors sitting in front, but I will pick on not them, but their class. So once I met a person, I didn't know he was a medical doctor. And since so somebody told me his name, so I addressed him by name. And he corrected me, like as an example, Dr. Abdullah. Maybe I call him Abdullah. I said, "Whoa, okay. You know, I'm not in his clinic. I not actually, I don't need, it's necessary for me to know he's a doctor, right? Or if I did to you, you call me Malana, I said, Mufti Kamaluddin, why did you call me Malana? Hmm? Allahu Akbar kabina. hmm? So the desire to be known. And this happens to people when they get accomplished and attained in the dunya. They don't want to be treated like an ordinary person. No, no, you should treat me like a person who is educated, you should treat me like a person who lives in this neighborhood, you should treat me like a person who has this particular income class. They can't be treated like an ordinary person. Now look at our deen. What's the purpose of Salah? That all the believers are lined up equal like the teeth of a cold. Leveling. No, you're equal. It's nothing to do with your doctor, your manual laborer, your engineer, your secretary, whatever. You all line up together. Sawa'am. You're all equal. What happens on Hajj? Equal. These major ibadat Allah Almighty to level. Level us. Level all these distinctions, these disparities, these... In Rudu we call it Naz, Nakhre. These... airs and affectations and things that a person has. Why? Allah Ta'ala put guidance in our deen to eliminate this riyadh. Hmm? But people don't understand. Even in the masjid. Right? I'm committee member and you're a normal member. I'm lifetime trustee and you're a five-year trustee. Allah Akbar. You're just equally Muslim. That's your real identity. Hmm? I'm head imam. I'm junior imam. I'm deputy imam. So, hmm? I don't we can keep when the more Allah Ta'ala tries to level us, the more we try to create these hierarchies. It's against the very spirit of our deen. Against the very spirit of our deen. All right. Now what happens when a person has this riyah? This I want to explain to you. It's devastating consequences that when a person has this riah. And they view themselves hmm, to be something and they want to show that off. A lot of the injustice in this world is due just to Riyah. I'll give you an example. Unjust and unlawful violence that sometimes even some members of our Ummah do. Why do they do that? For example, in our country in Pakistan, once there was a bomb that went off in a hundred percent civilian population of market in Peshawar. There's no question, you just killed random people, and it was actually not even a market of the elites, just poor people, it was a very simple market. Right? Now, such and such group claimed responsibility. Okay, forget who the group is, what they are, what their aims are, what their goals are. But killing those few individual, ordinary believers who were just buying their daily necessity at the market, does not help you in your aims and objectives at all doesn't help you in whatever, even if your objective is something good, doesn't help you in that. So why do you do it? It's just for show. This is real. Just to show we exist. That's so we have the ability to do this. This is also real. So a lot of the unjust, illegitimate violence and oppression that takes place in the world is just real. Just to show the power. Just to show the ability. Just for show. The elites, the people who have greed. Hmm? Now there's a certain amount of greed that you have because you want more. More luxury. Then there's another level that takes place. The ultra elites have this. They have all the luxuries and comforts now. They go for even more. They can't even use that. It's just real. I met a person once, he would tell me he had an apartment in New York and an apartment in London. I said, Do you ever go there? He said, no. So that's not a luxury benefit. It's just real. It's just to be able to stand there and tell me this. It's just to be able to tell people this sentence. And when you need that so much extra wealth, you do oppression people. But the ultra, ultra rich, that ultra, ultra richness that they have is only for the sake of Riyadh. There's no other reason. It's just for show. Sure. And these are two of the greatest oppressions that happen in the world. The economic oppression and the oppression through violence. And a lot of that is just because of Riyadh. So don't think Riyadh is a bad sin that, okay, fine, it's, you're just not being sincere with Allah Subh'anaHu When it plays out in the dunya, it has devastating consequences. It has devastating consequences. So then the question is then, what is the cure for Riyadh? What is the cure for Riyadh? So the Mashaikh wrote that the first cure for Riyadh is that if you ever think that you're doing something to show it to someone, to impress someone, Remember Allah Ta'ala's satariyat, how much he has actually hidden your bad points. You're doing something to show your good thing to someone, right? But just think that the only way you can pull that off, the only way you can actually impress that person with this good attribute of yours, is if Allah Ta'ala keeps his parda of satariyat, his veil (coughs) over your flaws and sins. Otherwise, if Allah Ta'ala chose to lift His veil of your real sins and flaws, He would never be able to impress anybody with anything. If Allah Ta'ala unveiled all my sins to you right now, all of you would start running from the masjid. We can only appear in front of one another because Allah Ta'ala has veiled our sins. Hmm? So then I reflected on this, that Allah Ta'ala sifat of being a sittar How deep is it? I don't think we realize that. It's very deep. Number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has concealed our sins that we think about in our heart. Our batan. The batan sins. So if there's a person who has envy for someone, you can't tell it. Allah Ta'ala has concealed it. We don't even know he has envy. So he might have the sin of Hassan, but Allah Ta'ala has concealed it. If a person has lust, Allah Ta'ala has concealed it. So the first veil that Allah ta'ala has hidden our batan sins. Second, Sometimes we do a zahir sin outwardly, but in secrecy. We do an outer sin, but secretly, privately. Allah Ta'ala kept His veil on that. And third, even sometimes we do an outward sin openly. And Allah Ta'ala keeps His sitariyat on that. I'll give you an example. There's a man, he's a father. Husband and a father. He sleeps through Fajr Salah. His wife sees it, his children see it. Right? But still, Allah ta'ala keeps His izzat and His honor in His family. It should have been that we should have been so disgraced at that moment. No. Allah ta'ala puts a veil. Not that they see it, they know it. The wife knows that my husband missed fajr, the children know it. But Allah ta'ala veils them from viewing that, viewing their father or husband negatively because of that. Hmm? This is also Allah ta'ala's sattariyat. You made a mistake at work. You said something wrong at work, your fellow workers, colleagues, boss, they saw it, but they chose to forgive you anyway. No, that's Allah Ta'ala. Put that in their heart to forgive you anyway. That's also part of his being a siddhar. Otherwise, it would have been perfectly just for them to have been upset with you for what you did. This is the extent of Allah Ta'ala's being siddhar. So we should remember that. Hmm? Then we will quickly... Make Tawbah for trying to impress anyone And just be grateful that Allah Ta'ala Just be Sitar with us Forget me showing anybody anything good of me Just keep hiding the bad in me <laughs> We can just do so much Sajdah for that And so much sugar to Allah Ta'ala for that And we'll be so grateful for Allah ta'ala hiding the bad in us We'll never even think about showing off the good in us This first cure for real for Showing off Second Is to have sugar To Allah Ta'ala to be grateful to Allah Subhanahu, hmm? and this is also another reason. that I'll explain it using practical examples. A lot of times, people do sin and negative things because of lack of sugar. For example, if there's a husband who cheats on his wife, commonly people think it must be just due to lust. No, sometimes it's due to this lack of sugar. He just is not appreciative and grateful to Allah Taala enough for his wife. If he had been, had shukar for that, even if he had lust, he would have been able to control it. It wouldn't have been a problem. He would have managed it. But because he's ungrateful, not appreciative for the net, that Allah Ta'ala has given him, he will go do the sin. Same thing for the sin of greed. If they did shukar for how much Allah Ta'ala had given them, that they have roof, they have home, they have fridge, they have bed, if they had just in sugar for that, they truly valued and appreciated that, they would have gotten so much contentment and happiness from, happiness from what they already have, they wouldn't have had greed for more. The lack of sugar is sometimes a root cause of all these other sins that many times we do. <laughs> so if we can have more sugar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be more grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that can also save us from this sin of day. <laughs> then if you look at the Anbiya, Alayhi wasalam ajma'in. Allahu akbar kabbira. If you look at all of the Anbiya, but especially if you look at Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, So they are given this right on the day of judgment of shifa'a, of intercession. And if you collect different verses in the Qur'an and hadith about this, basically it's understood that the ones who Ibn Taymir um, actually wrote this, that who is the shifa for the Ahlul Qabair min al-Ummah, that the shifa, the intercession of the Prophet will be for those people who did, kabair means major sins, the people who did major sins. So when I went back and I thought about that other hadith, which I told you in the beginning, that the person who had Riyadh. And I was thinking, okay, if these are the first three who will be sent to Jahannam. So clearly, Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam shifa will not be accepted for that shaheed who had Riyadh as Shahada, will not be accepted for that generous person who had Riyadh as Charity, will not be accepted for that worker, caller, teacher, preacher, deed who had Riyadh. That. And that may be even worse here. Hmm? This is from the Al-Qabayr but it's so severe that even the shafa'a of Nabi Ya sallallahu alaihi wa sallam so then one cure for aiyah then is to recite the Rishi salawat on the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wa to make du'a to Allah ta'ala for shafa'a to be scared that by this small act of trying to impress someone or to make somebody praise me, I might lose the shafa'a I might lose the intercession and blessed intercession of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa sallam on the Day of Judgment Hmm? What a price to pay To impress 10, 15, 20 people Oh what a price to pay To impress 10 million people hmm? What a price hmm? To fall out of favor with the one Most important person in your life Sayyidina Rasulullah Just to curry favor With people who are in your life right now Allah hmm? Akbar Our ulama to open these things up very deep Hmm Otherwise up till now we've just thought is okay small thing, it's wrong, I shouldn't do something to show off, but you know, sometimes I do it or I'm just human. These are very deep things. That's why there's this whole line, these mashay of the and the true shuk of the this is what they cure in a person. This is the thing they cure in a person. Akbar So the first aspect of Riyah oh the first aspect of Ujab is Riyah. This is where it begins. It sneaks up on you like that. You have to view yourself as something if you want to impress somebody else. Hmm? You have to view yourself as something to show off to somebody else. And the person who views himself as nothing, that Abd, Ajz, Fakir, Miskeen, humble, he thinks of himself as nothing, so who is he going to show off to? Who is he going to try to impress? He doesn't find himself impressive, so how is he going to impress other people? So the real ultimate cure is that To get that master attribute of Nabi Yikram, Which is humility hmm? to you. So therefore I'm only going to do two for you tonight The one was Raya The second is kibr. Second is called kibr. So for kibr, I mentioned this already to you that is habba Khardal, the mustard seed atoms weight subatopic particle. Nobody will be able to enter Jannah. Now it doesn't say the Arabic is not lan; it's la. It's not that they will never enter Jannah. No, ultimately, they will be taken out of Jahannam after they've been purified for the Kibar. and then on the basis of other deeds, inshallah, and in their very imam, they will go to Jannah. But they will not initially be able to enter Jannah. Now this is a very strong hadith. You know, and Allah Taala will do a scan of us. Hmm? Like today they have, if you have some small particle of cancer, so I don't know, MRI, CT scan, they have all these scans, hmm? to detect the smallest particle. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He's alim al-khabir al-baseer, He will run His scan on us on the Day of Judgment to see if there's even the smallest particle, subatomic particle of giver, of pride. Hmm? Now, there's two words in Arabic. I will just explain to you the words, but then I will only talk to you about gibber. Three words, ujub, gibber, and takamber. <coughs> understand the difference between these three. Ujub means to view yourself as something. So in English we normally call that vanity, conceit. Gibber means to view yourself as something and as better than others. So in English sometimes that's called pride or arrogance, however you want. And takumber means to view yourself as something and as better than others, and then to treat others as inferior to you, to belittle them, to demean them, that's called the It's an extra step. So ujub, then kibur, then tekabur. All right? Now the question is that, just like riya contains certain evils, so this kibur also has certain evils. First evil is that kiber often leads to kizb. It means a person who has this arrogance often lies. A person who views themselves to be something and better than others will often reject the truth, will conceal the truth. And a lot of, for example, Abu Lahab, Abu Jahal, own, this is the reason. And some people even in English translate the word kuffar as truth concealer, as truth rejecter, because literally it means to reject, to deny. Hmm? Truth deny. Why? Because of the kibber. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that they recognize يَعْرَفُونَ They recognize you the way they recognize their own sons. And they recognize you to truly be the Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The same way they recognize their sons to truly be their sons. But they still won't believe. Why? Kibr. They prefer the path of lying and falsehood over the path of truth. They know that the Prophet is a sadiq ameen They call him a sadiq Amin. ameen They still don't accept him as a Nabi. Why? Kibr. Hmm? So kibber has one evil consequence that it leads people to lie and lie and lie and sometimes then they end up living a whole life of lies or living a whole life of delusions. Second is that gibber cause, causes practical sins. When a person has gibber they become angry with others. They take out their anger with others. When a person has gibber they become jealous with others. So it can lead to anger, it can lead to jealousy. In fact, a lot of the negative feelings you have towards somebody else is because you viewed yourself to be better than them. Malice, hatred, spite, anger, jealousy are all things that come out from Kibber. Third evil that comes from Kibber is that because the person views himself to be something better than others, then he doesn't seek his own Isla or Tazkiyah. Does not seek his own reformation, correction, Purification. Will not sit and learn from the Masha'ik or the Masters. Because the views of as perfectly fine and in fact even better than others. And maybe one of the greatest, greatest evil consequences of kibber is that when a person has this arrogance, they lose the sunnah gentleness. And Sayyidina Rasulullah, he was so gentle with family and gentle with others. And gentle with strangers, and gentle with the Badu. hm? Most people know this hadith also, that the Bedouin, he came in masjid and he urinated in the masjid. Allah went sabakram, because for them the masjid is the place of the art of purity, worship. The said, no, no, don't, he doesn't know. <laughs> don't, 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 don't rush and do anything to him. Hmm? The sunnah softness and gentleness is lost to a person who has keeper. Hm? And that's one of the greatest sunnahs of Nabiya Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam And when you lose the sunnah softness and gentleness And you lose the sunnah hikmah and wisdom Then your life will be miserable All your relationships will be In discord and strife and contention and argumentation The life will be very difficult to see Then in terms of Kibar There's the same, like we did for you, there's Riyan Iman, Munafik There's Riyan Ibadah, Riyan, same category so first is Kibar and Iman. What does that mean? A lot of Muslims have that. Kibar and Iman means that we view ourselves to be better than non-believers. A lot of people don't understand this. Of course a believer is better than a non-believer. Yes. But that's on the Day of Judgment. The people who stand on the Day of Judgment in the ranks of Iman will be better than those who don't stand on Iman. But right now, in this moment of time, you have no idea. It might be that before you die, you might lose your Iman. Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu said that towards the end of time there will be such fitna that the believer will wake up with iman and he will go to sleep without iman. Same day, one day loss of iman. Hmm? And the person who doesn't have iman, he might accept iman. So right now we can't do that. Now let me tell you, that when the true believers had this humility, that's why they did dawah. Now we think dawah is going on in the world, or we love to quote the statistic, which is probably true, that Islam is the fastest growing religion in the world, but that's because no other religion is growing at all. (laughs) There is no single religion that is even growing. Every religion on earth is declining. Islam is the only one that's growing, so of course it's the fastest growing religion. But the growth rate of Islam today is nothing compared to what it was 1,000 years ago. When the true believer did not have Qibr and Iman, they could sit with non-Muslims. Khwaja Mary Who did he sit with? How did he convert hundreds and thousands of Hindus to Islam? He sat with the untouchable caste. He sat with the poor, he had no kibar in his imam. He was great, Waliyah of Siddiqeen, Salihin, Muttaqeen. And he walked in India and he sat with the poor, he sat with the untouchables, he sat with the lowest caste, he ate with them, he sat with them, he talked with them, he had no kibar in his imam. And when a die goes like that with no kibber in his imam, he can be the means of bringing hundreds of thousands of people to imam. That was the growth rate of Islam back then, when people didn't have kiber in our imam. And if we have kibber, we think we're the best nation, the best community, the best religion. You can't. When you make, when you start dawah like that, thinking you're better than them, it's not gonna work. That's why, no doubt, it, it's growing, but it's a very small growth rate. You tell me, many of you have been living in this country, what percentage of the indigenous population has accepted Islam? How long have Muslims been here? So from what I see, most South Africans have been here for three, four, five generations. At least a hundred years, I think it's more, right? How many non-Muslims have accepted Islam due to the in the past hundred years' presence? Now I'm not belittling the work, I know there has been, alhamdulillah, work done. I know that work is difficult, and I have, I have no track record of success in this either. I'm equally guilty. But it's something for us to reflect on. And back then, one wasn't I mean, just a few Muslims living in India for a few decades, hundreds of thousands, millions accepted Islam. There's a difference, right? We have to learn from our history to look at our history and learn from our history. It's a difference. One Kibber is again, Kibber that the Ulama can have, Kibber Shaykh can have, Kibber Adai can have. Hmm? Whereas after the work of Nabuwa, Dawa, Talim. Tazkiyat, terbiyat, whatever Is to make a person humble How twisted is that That the work of Nabu today People do it and it makes them have kibr Makes them have arrogance Kibr due to ibadat That I already gave the example of shaitan Anyone of us can have that You know sometimes we have that about ourselves If there's a person Who is successful in praying the Hajj For even just 10 days He starts thinking about himself That he's become a great wali of Allah It's just 10 days he prayed hundred. Hmm? Kibar As, As Allah S.W.T. mentions in Quran About those Sahaba Ikram Who prayed Tajid for years وَبِالْأَسْحَارِهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ Then <laughs> they would be begging Allah For forgiveness at the pre-dawn in At the time of Hajjim. Hmm. Then kibr In terms of dunya That I've already explained to you People get arrogant Due to the education they get arrogant Due to the money they get arrogant If they get promotion they get arrogant So many types of kibr. Creep up into a person hmm? Now how is kibar shirk That I think you could all understand That Allah Ta'ala is Al-Akbar It's happening all the time than is saying Allahu Akbar In Salah saying you can't move Unless you say Allahu Akbar You want to do sarjda, say Allahu Akbar first Then you can go sarjda You want to come out of that sarjda, say Allahu Akbar first You want to make a second sarjda, say Allahu Akbar first Allahu Akbar Kabira And many of you know the Sunnah that the Prophet ﷺ right after he said Salam, again he said Allah Akbar. That's outside Salah, technically after Salah, but he ended Salah by saying Salam, and then he said again Allah Akbar. And that Sayyidina Rasulullah ﷺ saying that Allah Ta'ala is greater than this Salah that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ﷺ has just offered him. That Allah Ta'ala is greater Then the salah that Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam can offer him. Then what are me and you? (laughs) What are me and you? If we don't learn to listen. How can a person who hears Allah Akbar so many times a day, says Allah Akbar so many times a day, even have kibber? How can it be possible? Hmm? That's the nafs is very stubborn. Nafs is very stubborn. Hmm? So a person can get kibber. And again, what I told you, kibber is also the cause of a lot of oppression and justice and violence. Why did the two tribes fight? Because one thought they were better than the other. That's it. No other reason. I'm better than you. That's what Iblis also told Allah Ta'ala. I'm better than him. You made him from the elements of the earth and you made me from the elements of fire. I'm better. Hmm? So then the last thing for tonight is the cure for Kibber, And then we'll do the other two tomorrow night, Inshallah. So what is the cure for Kibber? Your forgiver number one is remember that you are nothing. <laughs> not that you are something and better than others. You are nothing. Allah SWT says in Quran, ata' al-insani min al yakun makura." Was there not a time that came on humanity, on every person, that they were nothing. Means they were not even existent. They weren't even a thing that anybody would remember, anyone would know, anyone would praise, anybody would think to be something. That's all our origin. In Arabic we say we're bil and we all, origin is that we were nothing We were all non-existent Then some mersaik say, reflect on your illness and weakness Reflect that the smallest illness comes in you You will become so weak Old age can come on you, you'll become weak So many ways that Allah Taala makes a person weak Third, reflect that you have to stand in front of Allah Taala on the day of judgment And you will stand in front of Him the way you live this world so, if you live this world in a state of arrogance, you will stand in the ranks of the arrogant ones on the Day of Judgment, and Allah Ta'ala smashes their arrogance on the Day of Judgment. The arrogance of the arrogant ones will be smashed on the Day of Judgment. Fourth, they say that you should adopt like if you feel arrogance in you and you can't get it out, and you want it out, and you know it's wrong, but you say that sometimes I still feel it coming in me. So you should try to adopt any and every one of the attributes of the humble ones. So one example of this, like Sayyidina Rasulullah himself used to use this. He used to prefer to refer to himself as al Abdul fakir So he like to use the word fakir, some people like to use the word miskeen, so to use some word like that to show oh, I'm nothing. I'm low, I'm humble, I'm needy. I've not accomplished anything. And then another way, is to adopt gentleness. That, remember I told you that attribute that a person can lose? To force yourself to adopt gentleness and softness with others. And reflect that Allah SWT told Sayyidina Rasulullah, sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in in Quran, wa'afid janahakan al-mu'mineen. Even though the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is ruful rahim with the believers. He is gentle with the believers. But Allah told him to be even more gentle. This is what it means to adopt it more. Even if you have, adopt more. So it literally means lower your wing to the believers, but it means lower the shade of the wing of your humility and softness and tenderness for the believers. So to adopt even more humility, this can be a cure for Kibber. So these are two things that we mentioned tonight, Riya and Kibber. And these don't come into the person who's having a tough time. The person who's struggling, who has some crisis, catastrophe. They never think of themselves as anything. Hmm? They don't have riyaad giver. They are struggling. <laughs> These things come in a person who is successful. And the reason why I brought it up to you tonight is that Alhamdulillah only due to the mercy of Allah Ta'ala a lot of us got some level of success in Ramadan. Yeah, maybe we successfully fasted 30 days. It's not easy to fast 30 days. We successfully prayed tarawih. Maybe we successfully finished one khatam, one restation of Qur'an, maybe two, three, maybe more, maybe dua. maybe so many things we successfully did. <coughs> So, now we should be wary, hmm? that we don't want to fall into the pitfall of being successful in deen, that we start thinking of ourselves as something, or we start thinking of ourselves as better as those who maybe didn't have outwardly as good a Ramadan as it appears that we may have had. And we must remember the true master attribute of (laughs) Rasulullah ﷺ is humility. Master attribute is humility. And it's a beautiful thing. And the real ulama and mashaikh, this is their master attribute is humility. They erase themselves. Sometimes they erase themselves so much that people can't even benefit from them. Allahu Akbar. Shaykh Malawana Qasim Na Naotha, used to say that I wish to erase myself and be unknown to the world. But for the sake of Dawah, he's founder of Darul Duman, for the sake of the founder I had to. He said, Aap Qasim Qasim, Qasim it means in English, you had published with the view, spread and published and disseminated and made known not Nanotir when he wanted to just erase himself and remain unknown. Maha'u mm-hmm. Waqbar Kabirah, this is the attribute of the true ulama, the true saliheen, the true muttaqin, and this has to be the attribute of every mu'min and every abd because this is the attribute of Sayyidina so Rasulullahi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that we make dua that Allah Ta'ala accept all of our ibadat in Ramadan. We praise Allah Ta'ala because any and every ibadat that we did was only due to his Tawfiq that he gave the tawfiq that he gave us, due to his karam and fuzzle not due to any ability or power of our own. And that's another meaning of La Allah Billah, not due to any meaning and power of our own. And we ask Allah to protect us from every type of inner shirk, from every riy'ah, from every ujab, from every kibr, dawana and Alhamdulillah <laughs> Hidam Bin May Allah <laughs> subhanahu wa اللَّهُ wa rahab. Allah wa sallam wa rahmah wa wa rahmah wa rahmah wa wa rahmah wa rahmah wa rahmah wa wa rahmah wa Ya no we make sugar to you, Ya Rabb that you made us pass Ramadan. Ya Mikriim, we are needy still. Make us pass Shawwal. Give us a shawal without sin, Ya Allah. Give us a shawal in which we recite Quran the same way we recite it in Ramadan, Ya Allah. Give us a shawal and a life in which we spent time in the masjid, the way we spent time in, it in Ramadan, Ya Allah. Ya Mikriim, save us from this nifaq, save us from hypocrisy, save us from riyah, save us from show and ostentation, save us from every uj. Kibber, pride, vanity, conceit. Make us simple, Mu'mineen. Humble, Mu'mineen. Ya Rabb, you are sitar. You have concealed and veiled so many of our flaws and sins. All praises to you, Ya Allah. We are truly grateful to you, Ya Allah. Ya Rabb, now grant us more a'mal as-saleh, more tawfiq Ya Rabb. Keep us firm on saratul mustaqeem. Protect us from every fitna, Ya Allah. Protect us from every immodesty, every lewd, fosh, Every crude fisk and fujur protect us from any and every type of sin. Yet still we see in our heart, in our nafs, in our Ruh even Yarab, every potential to sin, every thought of sin, every attraction to sin, every inkling to sin. We ask you to keep us in your Hifaza, Ya Rab, protect us, Ya Rab, protect us from our nafs, grant us a nafsamatmina, protect us from our that heart. Grant us a Ya Grant us tawfiq to get ilm of deen. Grant us tawfiq to do amal on our ilm. Grant us ikhlas and our amal. Grant us is istiqamat and our amal. Grant us is istiqamat and our ikhlas, Ya and, and grant us your qubuliyah and your rada Grant us your acceptance and your pleasure. Be happy with us. Be pleased with us. Send your hidayah on us. Always guide us ever send your mercy and forgiveness on us. Let him make du'a for all of our family and friends, all of our communities, for all of our mashayikh and ulama, for all of the ummah, ya Rabb. Send your hidayah on each and every one of the ummah. Send your rahman, maghra, on everyone in the ummah. Let us make us an ummah of truth again. Make us an ummah of haya again. Make us an ummah of humility again. Make us an ummah of good akhlaq again. Make us an ummah of, umma of ibadah and Ab Abdiyat again, make us your true, loyal, simple, humble, sincere, obedient slave Ya Rab. make your slavehood the greatest joy of our heart, make your obedience the greatest happiness of your heart, make your ibadah the greatest passion of our life, put barakah on our homes, Barakah in our lives, barakah in our families, barakah in our work, barakah in our deen. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we make dua especially for the Muslims of this country. Ya protect them from every fitna, protect them from every evil, protect them from every harm. Make them a source of nur in this country, making them a source of nur in this continent. Ya Rabbi we ask that you raise the deen of Islam in this continent. We ask that you spread the deen of Islam in this continent. Ya Rabbi we ask that you remove the oppression and justice in this continent we ask that you remove the poverty in this world. Yeram Bikrim, we ask that you send your special mercy on the poorest of the poor, that you send your special mercy on those who are unjustly oppressed. Yeram Bikrim, be their savior when they have none, be their protector when they have none, be their rescuer when they have none, be their guide when they have none. Yeram Bikrim, always support the forces of Hak, always make the forces of Hak triumphant, Ya Rab. Ya Rabbi, make all the duas that Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam make dua for, all the duas that Sahaba Ikram wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dua for, all that is monastro for us. Ya Rabbi, ask that you grant it to us, Ya Rabb. Rabbana taqabbal minna <speaking> innaka anta al-sameen wa tumbu alayna innaka anta al-tababu raheem <Hebrew> wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een Bi يا ya rahma